Hey guys, welcome to Rebuilding the Beast. I'm your host, Bessel Zazili, NBA player turned podcast host. And on this show, I'm going to have a lot of my inspiring friends come on to share with you their rebuilding journeys. I hope you can take the tips from their lives and apply it to your life as well. Oh, and don't forget to hit subscribe, like, comment, share with a friend. Uh, yeah, all the things. All right. I'll see you guys soon. Rebuilding journeys are so fascinating to me. There, there's so many facets. They're so complex. Today's podcast episode is no different, but it's so crazy. I don't even know if I can do it justice, but I'm going to do my best. Today, we have Sarah Cecil, formerly known as Jay. So she grew up in a cult. Her parents kicked her out for being queer, trans, uh, let her back in. She was dealing with bipolarity. I don't know if that's how you say it. Bipolarity? Bipolarism? Bipolar. She was bipolar. And did all sorts of work, including sex work, webcam. It's so much. It's a lot. I don't know that I can do it justice. I'm going to let her tell her story. But man, so grateful that she shared it. Here we go. Rebuilding Sarah Cecil. Welcome to Rebuilding the Beast. Your story is 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 really fascinating. Got to see a summary of it um, from what you sent us on Instagram. But now I really want to dive in. I want to hear the whole movie that is Jay's life, Sarah's life. Tell me about young Sarah, how you grew up and what life was like. Okay. I grew up in New York in a small town called Irvington. And that was kind of a hub for the church that I grew up in. And I say church, but um, it's called the Reverend, um, the Unification Church. And it's run by, or it was run by this person, Reverend Moon. So there's like this home city, Irvington, where a lot of quote unquote like Moonies live. And that's kind of where we were centered and... The way I grew up was very much so in the church, um, and that was a very big aspect of my life. And I say church, but like the Unification Church is like in textbooks as like a cult, you know. Um, and cults are very all-encompassing aspects of life, I think. So growing up, I would say that like that was a big aspect of my existence because when someone wants to like control something they like in in that setting it's like they want to control every aspect of your life you know and so my parents are very involved in it but in a lot of ways like it felt like a very normal childhood to me like you know wake up go to school and Irvington was this very green and lush and very seasonal suburb outside of New York city. And so, um, you know, we were always like middle class, but like my parents would always like give a lot of money to the church and stuff. And I have six siblings. So, you know, the Schwartzes. Yeah. And so it's like, we had some money, but like when you have that many, (laughs) when you have seven kids in a family, like it's pretty crazy and chaotic. And we were just kind of like, in a lot of ways, like normal in that we'd just like run around and be crazy. And um, like, we'd, you know, play games, like we'd play like Lion King or whatever, or we'd act as lions or whatever, or, you know, tag. And I guess like I'm 27, so I'm not quite 
that like zoomer generation still millennial um so you know that's what we kind of did we like played outdoors a lot and like would um you know come together in the neighborhood and like it was kind of like a close feeling and um so there was a lot of like normalcy but in the backdrop there was like something very strange you know um because like in the church when i say church because like i don't feel like saying cult all the time it's it's such an intense word for me but well, well, tell me about it. Tell me about the cults. So, do you describe it and how living in it was for you, or the um, church rather? Everything is like fine when you're like ideologically grounded and centered in the church. Like everything sort of makes sense, um, and it goes kind of like deep. Like on like one hand, it's like okay, like there's this organization, and we want to create like ideal families, um, and these ideal families are free from something called original sin and original sin is like basically like Adam and Eve fell because they had like, like, you know, they basically had sex, you know, and then that created the fall of mankind. So this is like going way back and like starting and it builds from the Bible because it's like a, a Christian based ideology. And so like Adam and Eve, they fell and the storyline is like everyone comes from fallen blood right and so there's this narrative that we want to purify that blood and because my parents they were in the church they um did all these conditions whether it was like praying hardcore or staying absent for like my dad would like stayed absent where like he didn't have sex for like seven years or something crazy like that and he would studied in like the theological center of the church and wow so uh, in this religion uh husband and wife are not supposed to have sex well they do i mean i'm like seven kids you know um yeah but i was trying to marry both what you're saying about adam and eve and your parents at the same time so in order for kids to stay pure like they need to not have sex right so they need to abstain and be abstinent so in order for my dad to become pure and like create this like first generation pure blood, right? Um, he had to do all these conditions and they're called indemnity conditions. And like the concept of indemnity is like you owe like something kind of a thing. And so as like a second generation, as a child born of the church, um, my blood was already pure. You know what I mean? Which is like you know what we believed it's obviously not something i believe anymore you know people are just people and like you know we have like a biological instinct you know but yeah that played a really big part of my growing up was because like in order for me to stay pure before marriage which was like the the thing that you had to do you had to like abstain from drugs abstain from alcohol um and basically you couldn't date and like so as so like to a certain point until until marriage you'd get matched and blessed kind of like drawing from like eastern tradition but reverend moon himself like you know he passed away and like he got he was really old when i was growing up kind of a thing but 
like he would pick out who you'd marry basically. So he selected and, and we'd have like mass weddings, you know? Wow. So we'd get married all at once, you know? Yeah. My power. Yeah. Like that's what a cult leader is. It's all about the power and it's like super power trippy. And you see that a lot these days is like people just power tripping, but Reverend Moon obtained um, a position of what he called absolute power, you know, or absolute control. And we had to have absolute obedience as, as like followers. That was like part of his, you know, doctrine. So, so I can imagine that in a society like this, where you can't even have sex and you have to, you have to um, purge your sins and all these things. I can imagine that in a society like this, that being trans would be a tricky subject to navigate. Yeah, well, I felt like I didn't even understand like my sexuality or understand who I was because I didn't really have any like of that sort of playground as a child, like to explore my sexuality, you know? I think that like, you know, I didn't even like, I didn't really know until like later on, like in high school, like um, who I might be attracted to. And um, so in a lot of ways, I felt like I kind of just grew up as like a boy, you know, and I was kept very innocent, you know, because of the church. And so I think I wasn't able to, you know, understand myself to a certain extent but um i don't know like people would come up to me and like ask me like are you gay or something and i'll just be like no and like defending myself like because like i didn't have a choice because like in the church the lgbt community is completely like there's a lot of homophobia and later on like transphobia that like is encouraged in the church you know and so to be gay is like, like, you just can't do that. Like, it's like yeah. a bad, choice, you know what I mean? There was always, I think, an underlying like queerness to my being, you know, like a femininity. And I would like dress up as like a very little kid, you know, but I didn't really think too much of it. I have a lot of sisters. I actually have um, five sisters and like, you know, like they would, when the house was empty, which was very rarely, sometimes I would like sneak up and like, and this is like, as a very small kid, like just like wear dresses and stuff like that. But I never like thought too much about it. And to me, like, there's no choice, but to be straight because like, like I, as a ch- church member, you'd have to like marry in the church and make children that were going to be in the church. And mm-hmm procreate and create ideal families so it was very repressed and so because you're part of the ideal family you had to your your job was to create your own ideal family since you're already pure blood yes (laughs) yeah yeah no it's really complicated and i'm kind of just like motor mouthing but um there's there's definitely levels and i feel like some of the ideology like i don't even remember you know reverend moon Reverend Sun, Sun Young Moon, like, was a very prolific speaker. He would just speak nonstop, like, for hours on end. And his followers would just listen. 
who's like a very intelligent man, undoubtedly. You know, I would say like a genius, you know, not that I'm like saying like, oh, glory to him. You have to be charismatic and intelligent and know how to speak to people's hearts to get them to follow you. That's what a leader is. Yeah, it's it's true. So in a lot of ways, he was this like awesome dude with like a strong spiritual aura, you know, mm. he was obviously powered, but part of it is just like this insane power trip, you know, and that's the really dark part. Um, where like he just became like a vacuum for my parents' money and the churches, you know, he died with like hundreds of millions of dollars worth in assets, kind of a thing. There's also like a businessman too. It's like just a completely unfair business model. Like my parents and people in the church would fundraise, which was basically like selling flowers on the street and you know, hopefully try to like convert people at the same time. Like, oh, you should also become a Mooney. And this is like very much so like it came to the West in like the seventies, like, you know, Reverend Moon like had the vision of coming to the United States and he grew up, like, I think he was like born in North Korea or during the Korean war before like um, North Korea and South Korea split. The story is like he went through a lot of shit and like he was like imprisoned and escaped prison. And, you know, I don't know, like the exact, like def there's definitely going to be like a romanticization of that story. And, you know, like he was like dodging bullets and like, you know, maybe there's like mm -hmm. a bolt exploding or whatever. And he escaped and started a church and apparently like, very early on in his life, he like had this spiritual revelation where like Jesus came to him and told him to like carry on his will. Right. And this is all part of the story. Told him like, you have to carry out my mission, which is to save humanity, you know? And this happened like when he was like a teenager and then his whole life mission was like, I need to save humanity and become the second coming of the Messiah. This is this yeah. sets the stage for the start of your life because this is where your parents this is this is where they're getting their information from as in this is what your family life is like and you're growing up under the command of this guy this uh, this Mooney pastor reverend and then you come into your own and you're also trying to find yourself you're trying to discover what your sexuality is like can you take me through that that journey though was there like a specific point even along that journey, like you said, you weren't allowed to explore your sexual, the, the sexual side of yourself. Was there a point when you realized, oh, like I am transgender and, and this topic is important for me and for anybody who is like me, who's not very familiar with this topic. That's why I feel like this conversation is important. When I was in eighth grade for Halloween, you know, it's like scrounging about on October 31st or whatever to find like a costume and then my sister was like why don't you just like dress up as a girl i was just like sure whatever i don't know i just like went to school dressed up and like it felt very very normal like just very bizarrely normal for me like internal externally you felt good in it or other people yeah 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 like like it was all just sort of very like intuitive like and like you know for me as 
an adult, like I see gender as very like performative, you know, like all life's a stage kind of a thing. And um, that moment, I think, always like struck me as like, huh, you know, and I think like I was very, like, very slow to understand things um, about myself. I had so much going on growing up, like ideologically, I was like, essentially like around ninth grade, I was like mentally checked out of like the church, you know, I was just like, I don't believe in this anymore. My sisters were coming out of it and they're like, this guy's a phony, you know? But so I think there was always a lot going on and not a lot of room for exploration, but like, I think like around 19 was like, definitely like, oh, which was like the first time I had sex with someone. And like, I don't know if I want to go too much into the detail, but yeah, like I was just really questioning my sexuality and like, I was trying so hard to be straight, I guess, because like, you know, like if my parents found out that I was like queer or something, and I'm using that term as like a more umbrella term, then like, there goes their support for me, you know? And so like being straight was like a safety net, a defense mechanism. So like the first time I had sex, which was like with, I guess another guy, right? Like I just felt this like very, very strong feminine thing that was like sort of untapped in my mind. There's like this femininity to me that I just never really saw or like never really understood. And I think that like I've always had that like attraction to to guys and I just like never really had that ability to do anything, you know? Why did your your parents react to finding out? Well, like they kicked me out. (laughs) So my intuition was like, I have to like pretend that like I'm this guy um, to stay safe, you know, to have their support. The whole experience was definitely like terrible, (laughs) you know? Yeah, my mom went through my stuff, kind of violating my privacy. Um, I was very, very much so trying to be like on the DL about it and always had this like shame. Um, and I still kind of like do. At the time, I was like webcamming as like a boy kind of a thing because, you know, when you like sexually repress someone, like they're going to go crazy, you know? What does that mean, webcamming? Like doing like, sex work you know there's like a camp show basically like um to make money and i was also working in a restaurant yeah and she said all this like terrible stuff to me that i don't really need to repeat and then she was like don't ever come home again you know you're not my child blah 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 um and that sounds like it must have been brutal yeah i think like my brain and I went over this kind of stuff with, in therapy, which is very much so needed. But um, when something like traumatic happens like that, your brain just kind of like, it, free- it just like freezes in your brain, you know, and you don't even like process it. Like I just felt kind of numb afterwards. I didn't even like know how to feel. Parent-child relationship is like one of the closest, most like important relationships in one's life, you know, and um yeah, and it's still like that between me and my mom, you know, and that's like a forever. What did yeah, you that's do what, after being kicked out? Well, I was going to school out in the South Bay. I continued to like, you know, take care of myself. 
like I was literally living in a shed at the time in this house with like this Mexican family. And like, I mean, this is the Bay area where like cost of living is like, you got to have like at least a hundred K a year to like, you know, you know, it's like crazy at a certain point. I just got like really, really depressed. And then my mom like apologized and was like, you're allowed to come back home. And at that point, like, I was so depressed over like understanding that I was transgender, you know, I just like, don't feel like I can do this. I don't have the support. And I kind of like carried that and repressed that a lot in my early twenties and like late teens. But like my mom, she was very kind of like hot and cold and hot and cold and that, you know, like sometimes she can be very mean and then sometimes she can be really nice you know, like I was like really kind of sick of living in the shed. I was too depressed to go to school and to take care of myself. And so I was like, okay, I'll just move back home. It like definitely was a very toxic and sad part of my life. Just living at home, like understanding that like I'm trans and like really repressing that just because like, I just felt like really powerless, too depressed to go to school, too depressed to work. And, and it took me a while to break out of that because to break out of that, it was like, I have to transition. And I think I understood that deep inside. And like, I was kind of battling with myself, like, okay, if I start like taking hormones or whatever and trying to wear things I want to wear and like, then like my parents will never love me, you know? Like ever since my mom kicked me out when I was 19 and then like, okay, come back in. How how long was there in between too, by the way? Not to like ruin it, but she basically kicked me out again when she found out I was trans and like I started self-medicating basically. But, you know, like I needed shelter and like, but the in-between time was about two years, maybe from like 20 to 22 And those are like some of the darkest years of my life, honestly, even in the short period of time of like 10 years, like, I think the transgender movement has like, I don't want to say like movement. I think there's always been trans people, but it's been like, there's been an explosion of information about it um, and a lot more public support about it. And even like someone like Caitlyn Jenner, who like, whatever, like, running for office is like unheard of, you know, 10 years ago, Yeah. Uh, like, I guess like eight years ago, but I just didn't have the support. I didn't have people. I didn't feel like I had people that understood me ideologically. I felt like, you know, I'm like a galaxy away from my parents. Their beliefs are so different than mine. They're so ingrained in this church to this day. It's very, very sad to me looking at our relationship seeing that like they still like can't really accept me you know because there's like this institution that's like these are your beliefs believe them and there's no leeway like you have to have absolute obedience to the river moon ideology i wonder if in your situation right sorry i i kind of wanted to interject because i want to hear your your take on this i wonder if in your situation 
you are able because it sounds like because they're not accepting you're also struggling with the acceptance as well and trying to figure out and navigate your way do you think at some point that forgiving your parents for not accepting you and kicking you out of the house um and maybe eventually trying to find your own way will help you accept this whole process better you know if you're able to let go of that i think i do forgive them i i like I think with therapy, like I understand them, you know, like mm-hmm. I've been in therapy like five years. Yeah. I do think I, I forgive them because I understand where they, where they're coming from. And the way I see it is that the church really preyed on them, you know, the cults because Reverend Moon like wanted to really empower himself by taking away from other people, you know, like in different religious settings there's like a a sense of tithing which like comes from like the concept of one tenth like giving away a tenth of your income which is a lot you know um and so my parents are always just like donating anything extra to the church to this um ideology um but i think like i look at my mom who also like i'm half korean um she grew up in a very impoverished Korea and um, I know I'm going into a lot, but like she had an alcoholic father, my grandpa, and he died from liver failure in his forties. And then like a year or two after my grandma, my Korean grandma passes away too from another disease. And by the time my mom was in her early twenties, like she had this whole family to take care of a lot of trauma from like having a dad that was in the Korean war and basically didn't treat them right. And then this like savior person, Reverend Moon in Korea um, comes up and is like, I'm going to save you, you know? And I can completely understand how that like would appeal to her and like literally like not having an actual father figure, like wherever moon called himself like true father, like, and um, it's strange. It's more like understandable, like in Korean culture, which is very patriarchal and like that's changing these days a little bit, but yeah, this like savior figure comes and rescues my mom here's this church here's the structure i understand that my mom has a lot of like trauma and i think like she has projected that trauma onto me by being very mean to me you know but i understand that she loves me you know and i think like my mom's definitely been more of like the i hate to say like she like wears the pants in the relationship but my dad was always just like working nonstop to take care of like seven kids. And like, I think the church also preyed on him in that, like his parents divorced at an early age. And can I interject a little bit? Because, um, sorry, I'm, I'm, there's a little bit of a time crunch and I want to hear your story. And part of your story is, you know, I want to hear about the journey that you faced, you know, um, we are like, okay. I, I read in a caption of yours that you got fired several times for being trans. You know, you faced, you, you know, you overall faced a lot of discrimination. 
how do you deal with that aspect of your life now as well? I think there's only so much BS you can deal with. Like, I understand I have to protect myself. I think like this culture has a lot of like big egos and a lot of strong beliefs, like in America. And sometimes people just come at you with transphobic energy. Not that it's easy. It's always painful when someone comes at me with that energy. Like no one can hurt me as bad as my mom hurt me. So it's like, whatever, you know, like gender is like, so I don't know. I don't feel like I need to be like understood by everyone. Like I understand, like I have a lot of self-love now have a lot of like self-respect. And I think the more I like nurture myself in that way, the easier it is to um, just fend off a lot of BS, you know, what can we Which, do as a community to help, you know, because uh, as we see, there's, there's been reportings of people being hurt or even killed. Uh, what can we do to create a safer space in the communities that we're in currently? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot going on in society these days, and a lot of chaos and a lot of fear. And I think a lot of times marginalized groups like trans people or people of color, you know, sometimes we're like the, we can be like, you know, the punching bag for some people's anger and, and shit. But I think the best thing is just as simple as giving love to people, like um, treating people with respect, like it's basic respect, like, okay, like, what are your pronouns? Like, what do you want to be addressed as? Like, do you have special needs? Like, um does like the woman's bathroom make you feel uncomfortable or little things like that and just like human decency can mean so much to trans people um like you have no idea when someone's just like very um you know accepting and encouraging like it can mean a lot to someone who's coming from you know a really difficult family situation which is a lot of trans folk um and yeah, like, so there's that aspect, which is just like the person uh, to person, just like treating people right, treating people with love, with dignity and respect, which like is kind of like sometimes rare these days um, where everyone's just like battling each other on Facebook or whatever. So there's that element seeing through the BS, like there's like, it doesn't matter if you're like white, black, gay or straight, like just loving people for being a human, for being a living being in like this cold, dark, empty universe, you know, like life is so precious. All life is beautiful. And, and trans people are just sort of an expression of life, you know, and all people are just like, you know, part of that. Maybe you can explain to us, what is the difference? Cause you said something earlier, like maybe you can explain the terms to us. Um, I think it's important to use the correct terms and also know what the words mean. Can you explain what queer means to anyone that's unsure? Well, to me, queer is like a pretty sweet umbrella term. And it's like, it used to be kind of like um, a slur, like you queers, get out of here, whatever. But now it's like, we've taken back that word. And it's kind of like, I would say an umbrella term. And I use it synonymously with lgbtq you know i just say like we're all just like queers we're all just like a little bit different whether it's our sexuality or our identity i use that as an umbrella term like gen 
gender non-conforming, basically not straight, you know, bi, whatever, you know, just different than that hetero, like normative box that a lot of people feel like they're put in. For someone that's not queer, I would be a little bit more hesitant to use the word, you know, like those queer people or something. Like, I feel like that's not a way to use that. Um, I think it's more of a, that's like embraced by the community. Yeah, I think just like slowing down and being very careful with one's language around like trans people or non-binary people and just like asking simple questions like, what do you like identify as? What should I call you? And really the tone is, and and like, that's more important than like, you know, carrying good energy, um, which was really hard. What about, what about dating? How is dating? Is it difficult to, or do you sometimes feel fetishized um, by other people? I think there's definitely some people um, and like trans people call them like chasers. Like they're only into trans women or I don't want to like shame someone's sexuality, but I definitely have faced a lot of fetishization and I used to like do this webcamming show and I've heard it all. I think like, as someone that has seen that, like, I just like embrace everyone's sexuality. Like maybe the one exception would be like pedophilia, but like, like whatever it is that like turns you on or whatever, like it shouldn't be so shamed and people should be able to talk about it. And like, it shouldn't be like, Oh my God. Like, you know? Um, so I guess like even people that like only are into trans people, which is like still a bit odd to me. Like, I wouldn't feel like they're evil or bad people, but the subject is complicated, but um, dating overall has been getting easier. I think like Mm. um, people are more informed these days Um, and it's still a battle. People are more understanding and I'm always just before I even go on a date with anyone, I want to protect myself and I'm just like, Hey, you know, I'm trans, right? Um, You have to tell them every time. That's okay. That's that's my approach and that's my advice for trans people is like, you know, that's how some trans girls get hurt. It's like they're just like trying to be all secret about it. And it's like you don't know like how some people are going to react. So you need to know from the beginning, like, is this going to work out? You know, and you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't want I don't want to like take risks like that because I think like that's how like when you're in, if they don't know and like you're in bed all of a sudden, you know, mm. and then out like that can be a situation that's dangerous you know um that's how trans women especially can like sometimes get beat up you know so always upfront and open about it i think like safety is just so important because like life is again like beautiful and, and um like you gotta be safe and like respect yourself to to the level where you're like i don't want to put myself in danger even if like that danger is fun or whatever. Like, um, is yeah. that is that what your is that what your advice would be to younger people who are discovering that they're trans now? My advice, yeah, would be to be upfront about it. You have to own it. I would just be upfront about it because when you're truthful in any relationship, the relationship becomes more beautiful and 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 more open. You know, and like lying and being deceitful and I don't know, like if that's like your thing, then you know, and you want to put yourself in danger, that's fine. But um, I think there's a beauty to honesty. And yeah, I just want to see more honesty, you know, 
and owning it. Like, hey, I'm trans. And like, that's not, doesn't make me any less human than like anyone else. I have so many more questions, but sadly we're out of time. But this is my favorite way to end the podcast is with this question right here. It is, if you could talk to your younger self and you could advise her, what do you say to young Sarah? I would say, don't be scared to break the rules and don't be scared to talk to friends and be open and honest about your like situation. Like I grew up in a cult and I didn't tell anyone until like later on in life. And I wish I did. I wish I was like, shit, like I need emotional support. So that's like the one thing I wish, um, I don't say I wish, but like, I would tell myself to be brave and to be bold and to um, just feel secure enough to talk to people and have these conversations. Sometimes, like I felt like so isolated as a kid. I didn't really bring the issue of this, like growing up in this crazy religion thing up to anyone. I was so ashamed about it. And I just wish I talked to like one person that understood me, you know, because like that would have really helped me feel less alone, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've always been like introverted, like always just like thinking and stuff, but yeah, like opening up, being brave. That's the, that's the purpose of this community though. That's the purpose of this storytelling is that you as somebody who has been through a, a life's journey can be that voice for somebody else. Right. The thing that you said you needed is as a young, as a young person, as a younger person, because you're still young, is what you're giving to somebody else. And I really want to commend you for that. Thank you so much for for sharing your story, what you are doing, what you can continue to battle. Um, nobody understands your your journey, but you and the way you've shown us and you've you continue to show up. Um I just want to say thank you for, for what you're doing and especially for people out there who don't understand what, what it is that they're feeling and, and are trying to, to navigate the, the journey. So thank you. And, and thank you for educating me as well on this topic. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And thank you for being a great listener. Um, it's so valuable. And I just kind of felt like I was able to talk and yeah, communication is really really important it's how we grow as a society as a species it's how we solve problems we got to talk to each other and i really appreciate you being able to show those listening skills which is like it definitely a sign of that empathy and um yeah i just want to commend you and just say keep on going keep on giving people a platform to talk about their lives and just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you everyone for your support. Thank you for listening and watching this show. The point of this podcast is to create a better world through these stories. So please comment, like, share with people who you think could really benefit from these messages because you know how this stuff works, right? That's how people get to hear stuff now. So um, even if you don't, I really appreciate you guys for being here and for listening to the show. Thank you.